0: Just, to, just as a quick introduction, I'm Marvin. I'm one of the pastors at Mount Hope. We're, we're a church in um, Burlington and in Belmont. So Pastor Rick, Pastor Brian, myself, we're the pastors there. And uh, we've just had the pleasure of being good friends with Pastor Selvin and Lori when they were here and Pastor Rennie and Smitha are now. Um, this afternoon, I just want to say... A, As a thank you, thank you for the warm welcome. We walked in, Jen and I, were talking about what a friendly and a joyful church. We walked in and everyone was happy and excited to see us. I'll definitely let Pastor Rennie know that he's done a good job. Um, This afternoon, I would love to share with you for just a few moments from the book of Joshua. We're in the book of Joshua, so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua chapter 4. But before we do that, I have a quick memory test that I'd like for us to participate in. All right? How's that sound? All right. Anyone know what a penny looks like? A penny. All right. You can raise your hands. No shame in that. Okay. If you don't, that's okay. There's no shame in that either. All right. So I see quite a few hands going up. All right. Let's see how good your memory is. On the screen behind you are four pennies, or four versions of a penny. Which one is the right one? A, B, C, or D? I'll give you 10 seconds. Go. I Almost want to play the Jeopardy! tune right now. All right, time's up. How many A's? Okay, okay, a few A's. How many B's? This whole row, they're convinced that it's B, all right. How many C's? Okay, some defectors, okay. And how many D's? Okay, wow, this is impressive. Let's go ahead and show them the answer. All right, go ahead and give yourself a hand. All right, so this was an actual test done by researchers. It was a study done by researchers back in the 1980s. And the whole idea behind this, they were studying the relationship of memory and how people have the ability to remember things. So often we... Whether you're honest with yourself or not, some of us have great memories, some of us have terrible memories, right? Um, How many of you remember back into your college or your school days and the night before you crammed for a test? And let's be honest, how often did it work? And honestly, it did not work. We were just not built that way. We are not built to just take an information and just give it right back out. There is a process that we have. And so this morning, I want to take a little bit of, a, a, a little bit of time to talk about the role memory plays in our life and what God, God calls us to do. Have you ever gone up to someone uh, and... You recognize their face. You go up and you're about to shake their hand and you go, oh, no, I forgot what, the, what their name is. So uh, I'll be honest. I walked in here today. I think I met about 50 people. I'll guarantee you I remember zero. <laughs> Chances are what I have to do is I have to come. I'll come up to you and please don't be offended when I do this. I'll come up to you and like, tell you, hey, please remind me your name. And because for me, I have to see it a few times. I have to hear it a few times before it gets ingrained. And for me, a few times, is like 15. So, so there you go. And when I look at people who, like Pastor Rennie, who has a great memory, I'm secretly envious. I say, God, why, why him and not me? Um, but that's what I would like to talk about today. Just a moment about the role that memory plays. So often in the church, when we come, we often talk about the bad times, and we talk about how do we get through the bad times, how do, we, how do we persevere, and how do we struggle through, and how do we trust God, and that's good, but today I'd like to shift our focus and talk about the good times. Today is a great summer day. I love the weather outside. It's a little warm, I'll be honest. But I'll take this over the other eight months of dreadfulness in here in New England. What do you do with the good times? What do you do when things are going well for you? What do you do when you applied for a job and you know you're not really qualified but you finally got it? What do you do when you ask someone out and you're like, no, she knows me and she's not going to say yes, and she does. Or what do you do when you, when you put an offer into a house and you know there are 70 other people bidding on the same house, and the offer gets accepted? What do you do when things are going well? What do you do when you go out into the, into the city of Boston and you come back in one piece, right? There's, there's so much that happens in our lives around us that you see all the troubles around us, and for some reason, things are going well with us. What do you do in those moments? See, the good moments are just as important as the bad. So often we talk about how the bad moments, the rough moments, when the trials come and the, and the storms come, that's when our character is formed, absolutely. That's when God does his most incredible work. That's right. But it's the good moments that God blesses us with that carry us through. The memory of the good carries us through in the bad. When, it's in the, when you're going through the bad, the memory of what God has done in those good times, when God delivered, when God answered a prayer, when God healed the sick, when God opened the eyes of the blind, those memories will sustain you and those memories will carry you through. So right now, we're in such a moment in the book of Joshua. So just to give you a little bit of context, we're in the book of Joshua, and if you've been in church, you know the whole Exodus journey, or maybe you, you know it, and I would encourage you go go home, grab a, grab a Bible. If you don't, just, you know, see one of, one of the staff here, and they'll definitely get one to you. Read the first few books, and it talks about the journey of the Israelites, and right here in Joshua, we have the Israelites who God miraculously, incredibly del- delivers them from Egypt. He brings them out, out of, against all odds. They go, they cut through the Red Sea. And when I say cut through the Red Sea, it's not a building a bridge over, taking a boat over. They walk right through it. God stops the water and they walk right through it. And now they've been wandering the wilderness. They've been wandering the desert for 40 years. And the Bible says their, their sandals did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out. There was a, fire, there was a, a cloud of fire, a cloud, fire in front of them and a cloud over them. It protected them. And he's brought them finally in Joshua to the Jordan River. Right, And that's where we find ourselves in the story. These people who have experienced God over and over and over again. They have seen Him deliver them from from the Egyptians. They've seen Him walk them through the Red Sea. They've seen Him break the rock open and water come out through it. They've seen the miraculous manna. They've seen the miraculous quails. They've seen all this. And now they've come and they're standing by the Jordan. Now, the Jordan at this point, if you, if you know a little bit about the history, you know that the Bible clearly says, states that it was at flood stage. Now, if you know anything about, about that part of the world and the Jordan, usually when the tip the Jordan at points is just a little stream. But at this point where they're crossing, because it was in flood stage, it could be as deep as 12 feet. 30 feet wide. So if you can imagine all these people, there's about a million people trying to cross water that's about 12 feet, and it, it's, it's not standing still. It is flowing. So if you can imagine what they're facing, and here's where we find ourselves. So if you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. It'll be on the screen right behind you. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 11. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. So real quick, let's take a quick break. God does an incredible work. They come to the Jordan, and he says, go ahead and step in it. And as soon as the priests, they step into the water, the water breaks. And here's Joshua, uh, the book is being written, and he's saying, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan the Lord said to Joshua Take 12 men from the people from each tribe a man and command them saying Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the out of the Jordan from the very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in a place where you lodged tonight Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in times to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan was cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the Ark of the Lord... And the priests pass over before the Lord. What do you do in moments of good? Joshua and his people, they've just, in, 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 just encountered God doing an incredible, incredible work. The people that were there at Joshua's time were most likely not there when they crossed the Red Sea. A whole generation had passed. And now here they are. They've only heard with their own ears that God had done this miraculous thing. And yet, they are encountering God at it again. What do you do in the moments of good? See, after they have crossed over the Jordan, God commands Joshua to do a, whole bit of an interesting, a weird thing. The Bible says after all the people had crossed over, presumably Joshua's with them, God stops Joshua and he says, all right, I want you to do something. Pick out 12 people from each of the tribes and send them back. Go find stones from the middle of the Jordan, all right, and bring them back. A few years ago, and there should be be an image that comes up. A few years ago, they did a recreation of what these stones would look like. And those stones are no small stones. They had to carry them over. These are stones that would have to last generations. They bring them, they go back into the Jordan, they carry these rocks back. But my question is, why? Why is God insistent on doing this? It seems like a weird thing. It seems out of place. It seems like, hey, we've gotten through the desert. The promised land is right there. Jump in. Go right ahead. Go do what God has called you to do. You see, when this is what God says, in times of good, we have to remember what God has done. In times of good, Let's remember what God has done. Quite simply, the people cross over, and God says, chances are you will forget. Chances are when things go well for you, you will move on. Chances are the next generation will not know about this. And so here's what you got to do. Go back, pick up stones, and bring it with you. You see, they've experienced a miracle unlike any other. Strategically and emotionally, this is, if you think about it, they've come from a great victory. And if, I don't know if any of you are serving with the armed forces or if you think strategically and such, conventional wisdom would say, hey, strike while the iron's hot. Here's a people who are motivated. They are ready to go. They've experienced just incredible. When you have a victory, you want to go attack the next thing. You want to do the next thing. And the idea is, hey, if we're already fired up, let's just go take over. And Paul, uh, God says, nope, take a break. It almost seems counterintuitive that when there's, uh, there is, uh, there's all this energy and when people are motivated, he says... Take a break, slow down and pause. See if we 're honest with the ourselves we 're often like that. We go from thing to thing to thing, not really taking a moment to pause it would It would be. Okay, if they went over to their next, because that is what God had called them to. God calls the people of Israel, saying, "This is the land of promise. Go in there. There will be people there that are there that are not supposed to. You can fight them, and I will give you victory. Go do it." So, if they did, they're doing the right thing. And sometimes in our own lives, we're ready to move on to the next big thing. You know, just the simple paths that we often take in life. We get through get through elementary school. We move on to middle school, and then we move on to high school, and then immediately we're off to college, or we find a job, or we do, move on to the next thing, and then we're starting suddenly dating, and then suddenly we're getting married, and suddenly we're having, the, our, we're planning on having kids, or we're buying a house, and we're buying cars, and we're doing this and doing that. We move on from one thing to another thing to another thing. Even in our own careers, we're always. Rushing and we're moving, and it's not a bad thing. God's called us to be and do well wherever you are, whatever you do, do it well, do it with all your energy. But He says, in the midst of this, take a moment, take a pause, and remember what God has done. You see, for God, He's not interested in their work, He's interested in their relationship with Him. He's interested in how they view him. He's interested in how they remember him. He's interested, and he says specifically, there will be a time when your children will come up to you and they'll look at those rocks that are there and they'll ask you, What what does this mean? And you will tell them. He's interested in the stories that you pass on to the next generation. He's interested in how you communicate and build faith in the little ones, in children's ministry and in youth ministry, and how you talk about God. That's what he's interested in. You see, he's trying to build trust and renewed obedience in them. We often move quickly through life, and sometimes... God tells us, take a pause. When things are good, take a pause. When things have been going well, take a pause. You see, the notion of remembering in Hebrew is more than just calling to mind. Remembering actually involves action. So if you're going to remember, you got to do something along with that. And so when God calls them to remember, take a moment to mem- memorialize and to build and memorial he's saying there's action associated with just not just thoughts it involves a remembering with concern it involves living reflection and we're called on an act a degree of action let me ask you do you take moments in your own life to look back what are ways that you yourself Maybe in in your own life, maybe in your family, maybe in your community. Do you take a moment to look back and say, God, you've been good. God, you've done some incredible things. And I want to take a moment to thank you. I want to take a moment to remember you. And I want to take a moment to tell others what you have done. See, we should remember And we should be intentional, we should be active in our remembering, but also because God commands it. We have a tendency to forget. And that's what Israel got themselves into. They would experience something, even if you think back into the time they were in the desert, they would experience something. They had just gotten through the Red Sea. They crossed over. They suddenly got thirsty, and now they're crying, we were were good in Egypt. Why did you bring us here out to die? They forgot. They forgot. And they move on a little bit and God brings them manna and God brings them the, the birds to eat and they forget quickly. So often, we have very fickle memories. Something as simple as a coin that we handle each and every day. Most of us are split on on what it even looks like. Because our memories, and that's who we are as people. It's not about each of us. Each individual personality is just the way we're wired. And so it takes some intentionality. It takes some action. It takes some work to remember what God has done. But the problem is, at times when we encounter the good, or I'm sorry, when we encounter the bad, we suddenly forget the good times. Now all of a sudden, God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why would you do this to me? And we forget he's the same God who delivered us. Do you remember maybe as a kid when your mom and dad would come in and they would would tuck you into bed and make sure you're comfortable? As you lay lay there, you were confident, you're comfortable. As long as they were in the room, you were good. The switch goes off, they walk out, and suddenly your mind starts going 100 miles per hour. You're suddenly imagining the things in your room. You're suddenly imagining the monsters under your bed. You're imagining the monsters in your closet. You're imagining that they're all coming to you. And you yell out, mom or dad. And they come back and they turn the lights on and everything is good. Sometimes, while that seems childish, that seems, hey, we don't do that as adults. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we do. God takes care of it. God opened up the door, and you got that great job. Now your boss is mean to you, and you go, God, why? When we're in the moments of bad, we often forget the lessons learned in the moments of good. And so God looks at that. God looks at the tendency that you and I as people have that the Israelites had, and he says, I know that you will forget, and so do this. Set up a memorial. It's one of the rhythms that you will see all throughout the Scriptures from Genesis into Revelation. There's this constant drumbeat that's heard. There's a rhythm that says, remember, remember, remember. God is calling His people to remember. As a matter of fact, the word remember is found 234 times in the scriptures. I think it's a little important for us to do that. When we remember what God has done, It has an effect on the way we live. Remembering what God has done will solidify our faith so that we can stand and not fall away. Remembering what God has done will prompt us to be thankful as we count our blessings and name them one by one. Remembering what God has done will give us comfort in our trials. Remembering what God has done will work repentance for we cannot mourn what we have forgotten. Remembering what God has done will raise hope. We will find strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow as we remember the faithfulness of God in the past remembering what God has done will will help us to walk wisely remembering what we went through in the past wisdom is the application of what we learned yesterday remembering what God has done will help us to avoid sin remembering what God has done will form our identity as children of God remember what God has done this is not an option this is his command. But why? And I'm, I'm going to close in a few minutes. And, but the question is why? You see, when we go, if you've been into Boston or you've been anywhere, you'll probably see statues, right? There might be, if you go into the, into the Boston Garden, there's a statue of, anyone know? Washington there, right? Or if you go into D.C., Am I right? I may be wrong. Okay, we, we don't know. We'll, we'll assume that it's Washington on their horse, right? Or if you go to the Paul Revere house, there's a Paul Revere statue. Or if you go into D.C., there's the Lincoln Memorial. There is all these, the Vietnam Memorial, the forgotten, the, uh, the unknown soldier's tomb, and all these different memorials. Why are they there? Why do we have these memorials? Why do we have, if you go down Union Square, you'll see the, the Holocaust Memorial. You'll see memorials of the things that have passed, the things that define who we are, the things that define our, our, our identity, those things that we did well and the things that we did poorly, the things that we were brave about and the things that we didn't do so great with. Our memorials act as a signpost to our past. It keeps us grounded. When God calls them to remember, he tells them, build a memorial. What this says is, when you look at that, it will remind you of what God has done way back when. This is not a passive memory. This is something that they look at every time that they walk by, every time that they encounter it. This would bring back to their memory. You see, God is telling Joshua that your children will ask you and be ready to give an answer. A few years ago, uh, so Jen and I were, it's just the two of us, we don't have kids yet, and so we had, one summer we had our niece and nephew come visit, and they stayed with us, and you know, for us, we're the cool uncle, the cool aunt, we can come in there, we go, most of Jen's family is in Philly, so we'll go to Philly, we'll go hang out with them, we bring them presents, we get them all riled up, and then we leave. We don't have to stay for the, the tantrums, we don't have to stay for all, the, all the, the anger and the nonsense. We get them all riled up and we're done. But this summer, it was different. Their parents were not there, it was just the two of them and us, and so with them being with, uh, with us for about a week, it came with the tantrums, it came with the nonsense, it came with all of that. But one thing I noticed, there are young kids at that point and they had a question about everything. Why do I have to put my pants on in the morning? Why do I need to eat cereal? Why do I need to go to summer camp today? Why are you doing this? Why do you see the things you say? Why, 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 why? They're always asking why. And you've encountered that in your own lives. And God is saying, you will have children in your lives that look at those stones, and they're going to ask why. Be ready to give an answer. Parents, that's your call. That is what God is calling you to, have an answer, build faith in the next generation so that they can pass on the faith, so that they can encounter God the same way you did. Question for you, is there something tangible in your lives that you have that show this is what God did in the past? This is what God did in the past. We build memorials, some of us take pictures, some of us buy souvenirs, some of us write in our journals, some of us do so many different things. For me personally, one of the things that I love to do, uh, when Jen and I travel, if we go to a beach, I'll grab a a little pebble from there. And on my bookshelf, I'll write the name of the beach that it came in. And so, according to Jen, I have a bookshelf full of rocks. But to me, it's a bookshelf full of memories of all the good times that we had at those beaches. What do you do? What are those moments? And even if you don't, today, what can you do today to start remembering what God has done in your life? You see, our memories act as a signpost to what God has done in the past, but also as a signpost to what is to come. What is to come. In the, mo- in the good moments, remember what He has done as a reminder that he is not yet done. See, Jesus, at the Passover, this is right before he was to be crucified, he's in a room with his disciples, and he takes a bread. He breaks it, and he gives it to them, and he says, do this. Take this bread in remembrance of me. And then, after they had eaten, he took the cup and he passes it around and he says drink this in remembrance of me and so we here in all our churches and in this church i know you do you celebrate communion you come together as a church with each other you break the bread you drink the juice it's a remembrance of what christ did but in 1st corinthians chapter 11 paul says this this you do in remembrance of what he has done, but also because he's coming. This communion tells you that he is coming back. This communion, this moment, this bread, and this juice will tell you that Jesus is coming. Jesus is about to do more. There is is a work that needs to be done in your life. And he says, it's a signpost to what God had done in the past, and a signpost to show you that he's not done yet. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and the prayer teams, if you're here, to come up. And as we do, let's remember this, that we'll all have our good, we'll all have our bad. And that's just the rhythm of life. But in the moments of good, when you have come, Don't feel the necessity to rush through it. Don't feel like you have to get to the next thing. Take a moment. Take a moment to remember. Take a moment to praise God. Take a moment to build a memorial. Take a moment to journal. Take a moment to talk with your friends or your family. Take a moment to talk with your your children about what God has done. In the moments of good... Remember what God has done as a reminder that God is not yet done. Tim Keller puts it this way, remembering God's past love is the only way to face present stress with confidence and poise. If you're going to face the trials of today, it is the memory of what happened yesterday that will carry you through. So as you go into what you're dealing with, as you go into the stresses of your jobs, as you go into the stresses of your family, maybe it's the stresses of your relationship, maybe it's, the, it's an addiction that you're dealing with, a loved one that's, that's battling something like that, know this, that the God who delivered you, the God who redeemed you, the God who gave His own, His own Son on the cross, if He did that for you in the past, He will do that for you in the present. He will do that for you in the future. That's one of the rhythms you'll see in the Bible. Remember, remember, remember. Now close here. Now I'll pray with you. But take a moment. And don't feel, and I know it's a great day outside, but don't feel rushed. Take a moment if you'd like to. Ask the Lord to remind you of those times that he's delivered you. Ask God to remind you of the times he was good to you. Ask God, Holy Spirit, come, remind me of your goodness. Remind me of your mercies. Remind me of your grace so that I can carry it forward. I can share it so that I can bless my children with it. Take a moment. Remember what God has done as a reminder that he is not yet done. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for you are a wonder-working God. You are a miraculous God. And each of us sitting here, we have a story of your work in our lives. And for that, we're thankful. For that, we are grateful. And Lord, as we experience your goodness each and every day, help us. To take a moment to remember, to meditate, to focus, and to build a memorial. And to say, God has done good in my life. God has done well in my life. And in those moments where we come up to the rough times, I pray that you would help us remember that you are good. And that your goodness endures forever. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.